You're listening to The Wedding Whisperer with Sarah Burton of Simply Love Studio in Lexington, Kentucky. I'm here today with Elena from Perfect Timing Weddings and Events, and I'm just going to put a disclaimer on this. Um, I forgot to start the podcast little machine when we recorded this the first time. It was actually one of my favorite podcasts today. We had <laughs> talked about so many things, and she had such good information. I'm going to try so hard to do it just as good <laughs> the second time. Elena, you actually moved to Kentucky to work in um, the hospitality industry, in the bourbon industry at Maker's Mark. Yes. From there, you went to Castle and Key. Yes. And um, you started kind of in the bourbon and the tour part and then ended up kind of developing weddings there. And then uh, you started your own business, which is Perfect Timing Weddings and Events. And you focus more on month of and day of coordinating than full service. Yes. So tell me a little bit about why you like month of and day of more than the full service? So I personally, personally, um, like month of, day of a little more just because I have a logistical brain and I really like putting pieces of the puzzle together. I do not have a creative bone in my body as it relates to florals and decor. I have all the envy in the world for them because I would love to be able to make a beautiful centerpiece. But instead, I love really challenging 500 person plated dinners, 200 person weddings where no one wants to sit beside each other and they're all having different meals. My brain works better that way. And I feel like, I don't know, I just like month of day of better. My brides really tend to be type A and really want to get things done themselves and just want to really entrust and instill everything else in me at the end. And we we vibe better that way. And it works out for me. And I think every planner and coordinator has one that they prefer over the other. Yeah, for sure. Um, and there are some that will only do one or the other. So it's always interesting to see what every person prefers. So, of course, you started your own business right as the pandemic started. Yep. Um, and so, of course, that's always fun and challenging. And then toward maybe the middle, toward the end of the pandemic, you actually uh, went to be the director of events at the Kentucky Castle. Yes. So I think you have worked at two of the most well-known venues here in Central Kentucky. So I definitely think you have an incredible background so that you are very knowledgeable and able to share a lot of good things with our couples. And one of the first things that I really want to talk about is the difference between a venue coordinator and a wedding coordinator. Yeah, so venue coordinator, um, since I started there first, we were responsible for everything that the venue owns. So my week started with making sure the grass was cut, making sure the tables and chairs were set properly where the bride wanted them to be, the bathrooms were clean and functioned properly. And if the venue did have catering for you know all my staff to be scheduled, all the meals, to be selected, us to know which tables are getting which meal, so on and so forth. We don't really have the capacity to focus on your transportation, your bridesmaids, dresses, your florals, setting up your tables. Venue coordinators are much different than hired day of or you know partial full planners. And I think there's a lot of misconception when someone says, oh, my venue comes with a day of coordinator. That That's true. Their day of coordinator is there to ensure the day runs smoothly for the venue, not specifically for the bride's small details. So I implemented a rule at both venues that I uh, managed that a day of coordinator was required. 
and it could not be a relative or guest of the wedding. It had to be a professional coordinator with a, you know, contract and insurance. Brilliant. Yes. Saved so much headache. (laughs) And that is something that I do recommend um, couples ask their coordinator is, do they have insurance? Are they a registered business with the state of Kentucky? Exactly. A lot of people start out doing planning as fun because they see it as a fun side hustle, a hobby. Um, It is something that I don't think people realize the liability that goes along with it. Anytime there is alcohol at an event to start with, anytime there are more than two people at the event, there's liability that goes into it. So definitely ask your planners or coordinators if they are registered with the state, if they have business insurance. And I will say, you know, when you pick your venue, most of the time they have a preferred vendors list to work off of. They're there for a reason. Pick those people. 100%. And I would say most venues in Central Kentucky do have a preferred vendor list. Those are vendors that have been to that venue. They have worked there. They know what to expect. They work well with the venue staff. Um, A lot of times they work there several weekends out of the month and they work with the same vendors every month. It's just an all around good collaboration. Absolutely. And then let's talk a little bit about as a day of coordinator, A lot of times you are responsible for stuff, stuff that the bride buys, stuff that mom brings in. Talk to me about stuff. All the stuff. Yes. So I like to have my brides send me pictures of how they want things set up. For example, my bride this coming weekend, she's having a memory table and like a library display for take home books. And she set them up in her living room for me and took pictures of them as to how she wants them set up. She also will be taking the tags off of things, you know, the sticky tags, doing Gooby Gone, all the wrapping paper off of things, and separating them into clear totes marked ceremony, cocktail hour, and reception, as well as putting a piece of paper with each tote that has what items in there so I can easily do check off and check back in at the end of the evening. So it just makes my life easier and makes the day of go so much smoother. I don't have to go into the bridal suite and ask the bride a million questions. I already know where everything is going. And especially if the ceremony and cocktail hour and reception are all different places. Oh, yeah. It's so important to have everything where it's supposed to be and labeled correctly. Yes. I want to make sure your items go where they belong. Um, and I don't want to bother you the day of. So let's talk a little bit about what's included in the word stuff. When we say that, we mean glass vases, votives, um, basically anything that you see in that wedding aisle at Hobby Lobby. Yeah, guest book. Guest book, um, yep. The pen that goes with that guest book. Toasting flutes and cake cutting set. Garter that you aren't going to use anymore. Just all the things that you get so excited to buy. I see a lot of time that my brides, you know, get engaged and they're just so eager and so excited to start their wedding planning that they go shopping with a mom who, you know, I think that was like kind of the trend 20 years ago or so to buy all the things. Um, But now, you know, your vendors, your coordinators, your florists, we have all that stuff, guys. If you book me, you have access to my entire inventory, whether that be an arch, a basket for your cards, my votive candles. And I know several, several, I think all florists, have those cute little bud vases that are half off at Hobby Lobby every other week. Like we have those things. You don't have to go out and buy those. Book your vendors first, see what they include, and then let's go from there. 
let's spend that time the last two months focusing what we need to fill in gaps, not the other way around. That is brilliant advice. Yeah, I see a lot of brides spend thousands Mm -hmm. up front when they don't really have a concept of where those things are going to be used. Like, you don't have a venue yet. Let's see how many tables they have and let's see what goes with the space. And I've had moms especially buy stuff before and literally bring it to the wedding day and be like, I don't know what you're going to do with this, but can you use this somewhere? Uh, Yeah, I had a mom I can remember specifically that bought tons of things and her vision changed over time and we weren't able to use half of those pieces. And it was a year after she bought them, she couldn't return them. Just, yeah, don't waste that money, guys. Buy that stuff like two months out. Let's see what we need. And let's really focus on something you mentioned. Um, You mentioned a card box. Yes. Talk to me about a coordinator's, I don't want to say role, responsibility. I'm not sure what the right word is there, but what you do with cards on the wedding day that your guests have brought the couple. Yeah. So I'm sure everyone's process is different, but mine looks like as soon as the guests enter the venue, there's typically a welcome sign. And I like to stage a table there to collect gifts and cards, you know, just because as a guest, you want the guests to do the least amount of work on your wedding day. So you don't want them to carry the present and the card with them to the ceremony, sit it on the grass, take it to cocktail hour, sit it down, then take it to the reception. One, it's just going to get lost. Two, we don't want your guests to carry things. So leave it there. During the ceremony, I will collect those gifts and cards that were left and put them into either the locked bridal suite or the family member's car that's taking them home so they're safe. And then, you know, same with the reception. I see guests walking around with cards or pulling them out of their purses. I immediately will approach them and, you know, retrieve that, put it on my clipboard, and then go back to the table, collect the gifts and cards, and again, put them in the safe location. There's certain venues at hotels, for example, that have other guests there that might not be a part of the wedding and might see that card as an opportunity to pay for their stay. So we got to protect that stuff. I just don't want that to happen to any of my brides. Absolutely. And I think that's something that maybe kind of slips people's minds that a coordinator takes care of just because nobody really talks about it. Yeah, no, I want you to have those envelopes to open at the end of the night when you're having your late night snacks and leftover wedding food and sit on the hotel bed. Like, I want you to open those. That's so fun. Exactly. Don't want anyone to take them from you. And so one of the things I think a lot of times that day of coordinators, I don't know if I want to use the word stuck, get stuck with, but sometimes if there is not a full service cater. There might not be someone there to bus tables at the end of the evening and a coordinator gets stuck doing that. Is that something you've been stuck with before? It has. So now my contract says coordinator will not bus tables. You know, I'm in the planning industry, not the catering industry. So that's not really my role. But at the end of the day, like if it comes down to it, I will bus the tables (laughs) just because I want the bride to be happy. And of course, I want to work at that venue again. But as I sit with my brides and go through their vendors, if I know it's a vendor who does not bus tables, I will have a phone call with the bride and the caterer and say, you know, here's some gaps in both of our contracts. Let's see what we can work out. A lot of the times a caterer will have, you know, the part-time employees that work on the weekends that maybe want to make some extra money, work a few extra hours, say yes. Maybe you have, I don't know, a few younger cousins that want to make some money while they're there. Sure. But by putting that on your coordinator, you know, that's right after dinner. That's when we do the cake cutting, the first dances, the champagne toast, the bouquet toss. Like we don't want to miss those moments. And having us best the tables requires us to not be focused and present on you. 
go with a caterer that offers that. And if not, there's definitely ways to fill in gaps where your coordinator should not have to. And I think that using a professional coordinator, especially the last 30 days, you will realize how many gaps there maybe are. Yeah. Um, versus if you are using like your mom's friend that's going to be coordinating, maybe she can run the day up until the ceremony. And then when that bar starts and opens, she's going to be the first one in line. And a lot of times those responsibilities that they had thought in their mind they were going to do go straight out the window. Yes. From my experience, I've seen like an aunt or a mom's friend or mom's coworker that has come in. And I mean, they do a great job setting up. But then after they get you know, the bridal party down the aisle, it's completely hands off and it's party mode for them. And, you know, day of coordinator is a 12, 15 hour shift. That's not an eight hour nine to five kind of role. That's why in the contracts that I have at the two venues that I managed um, do say professional coordinator that is licensed in the state of Kentucky and carries insurance. You just need someone to manage the entire day of. And, you know, those people are special to your, your family, your mom, your you let them be a guest don't don't have your gu- you don't have your friends and family set up for you let us do that and we i have seen the relationships not exist after the wedding day before i've seen also what some i don't want to say the word fighting but big disagreements where i feel like i'm professional hired help we've already talked about these things months in advance so it's just a little different there's accountability on my end absolutely And then one of the things that day of coordinators will typically do is pass out any remaining payments or any tips that you that the couples want to give their vendors. I think that tipping vendors has definitely increased um, over the past few years as we are asked to tip for everything. Tell me a little bit about your experience with tipping in the last little bit. Yeah, it has increased so much that I now carry uh, blank envelopes in my bridal emergency kit. So that when I first meet with my bride and groom, whether that be nine months, six months out, I do kind of initiate the tipping conversation then just so they're prepared for last minute charges and can kind of plan that in their budget. It's definitely not required, but, you know, it's always greatly appreciated. I like to first start with letting me see the contracts that they have with vendors because, you know, with hair or makeup, it might already be included. I think a misconception is, oh, well, there's a service fee with catering. It's already included. Service fee doesn't necessarily mean that that's gratuity. It could be the service fee to cover the buffer of meals they have to make for, you know, any unexpected guest. It also helps with the price increase with food. You might have booked them 12 months ago and the food cost went up substantially and that service fee kind of helps with that buffer. I think it's kind of a taboo topic. I don't think that people like to talk about it, but I think tipping is something that's okay to be talked about. When I find out that my bride wants to tip the caterer, I immediately will call the caterer and say, how many chefs, how many managers, how many servers? Because you can't just, you know, give $100 or $200. I mean, you can. You can do whatever you want. But let's just tip appropriately. Myself, I've obviously received some cash tips, Starbucks gift cards. A few weeks after the wedding, I've received, you know, stuff in the mail or, you know, a cute little candle or picture frame from their honeymoon. It's so thoughtful. I recommend to my bride that they tip the vendors who go above and beyond their contract and scope of work. And you can really tell which vendors want to be there and which ones really care about the bride and groom and want to make their day special. So tip those vendors above anybody else, in my opinion. The ones that you have special bonds and connections with, the ones that have been your go-to during the entire planning process, like tip them. And if tipping is just not in your budget at all, reviews, 
And oh. honestly, even if you tip, reviews are still just as important to vendors. Yeah, reviews are gold. I, in my growth phase of this business, I would almost rather have reviews, to be honest. Google, Facebook, Wedding Wire, The Knot, anywhere you can leave a review. And tag me. Yes. Tag me in all the things. All of the photos that you post, that your photographer posts, share those photos six months out. Anytime you share a photo from your wedding and you tag your vendors, we will literally do a bat flip. We're so excited that you tagged us in it. Yeah. Your friends, it makes your friends and family want to book me. So <laughs> I think I get more of my business from referrals, honestly. Absolutely. So, yeah. You I have siblings and bridal party that you've exactly. worked with. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I want to circle back. You mentioned your emergency kit. Tell yeah. me a little bit about your emergency kit on the day of the wedding. Yes. So I have a big rolling, like, looks like a transformer, like a <laughs> suitcase. It has everything in there. It's four or $500 worth of stuff, I'm sure. It's liquid courage. You know, you never know when someone's going to need a little shot before they give a speech. Sewing kit, perfume, deodorant for both genders, hairspray, brush, pantyhose, tampons, Benadryl, Tylenol, a fake wedding ring so we can tie to a pillow, thank you cards if you forgot to bring your own, flashlights. I have snacks for kids to keep them occupied during the ceremony. All the things. I mean, like literally everything. And that's something I see um, TikTok and Pinterest. They're like, how to build your day of emergency kit. I'm like, just hire a planner. They have it all. We have those things. Don't Uh, buy them. Because I see so many brides going to like Dollar Tree or Kroger, wherever to build it. And they're doing it the week of. Yes. Don't do that. Don't put that stress on yourself. We have it. Yeah. And you would be shocked at the amount of things that a planner has in their emergency kit. But they've got you. And if they don't, then they will make it happen. Yeah. It's in the back of my car right now. It's yeah. always with me. Yeah. Mine was the same way when I had um, a tackle box. Yeah. And so there was always like tape in there. If I went to the post office and scissors and like all ink pens, exactly. all the things I needed were always in my trunk. You never know. Yeah. It's so, I mean, it's helpful. Just, yeah, it's so helpful. What is like the weirdest thing you've had to do at a wedding? Do you have any weird experiences? Um, I have a couple. Okay. I have two that really come to mind. I was a surprise witness for a prenup. That was fun. Okay. <laughs> and then best man uh, was quite the dancer. Ripped his pants in the crotch. So he had to take those off and hide in the bathroom for five minutes while I sewed them back up. And so funny you say that a couple weeks ago, um, I chatted with Carrie from Geno's and she talked about the damage waiver. Oh, yeah, you should do that. For yeah. Sure. Um, I hope this guy did. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, what happens if they like dance too much and like get a hole in the knee of their pants from sliding on the dance floor? Um, and that's when she was saying that there was like a damage fee. And any time that there is a damage waiver from a vendor, I recommend taking that and paying that. What are your thoughts on that? Yes. I know sometimes I've had brides rent from, you know, Purdens and they see like the damage clause and they try to save that, what, 60, 80, whatever dollars it is. I always say no, don't, because if someone spills red wine on your ivory linen, you're going to buy that linen. And that's more than what you just decided not to pay. That doesn't include if you break any champagne glasses or anything else. So, it's there for a reason. It's not there to price gouge you. It's there to actually save you hundreds of dollars at the end of the day. <laughs> and I always hear couples are like, if you tell them it's a wedding, they charge you an extra percent. They charge you extra money. It The majority of the time, it's actually protecting you at the end of the day. I yeah. can't tell you how many people have stood in shafari chairs and garden chairs at the wedding. They're standing on top of the tables, dancing and having the night of their time of their life and things happen so that's why there's damage waivers yeah it's really not to price gouge you it's it's truly to save 
save you money if things come back damaged at the end, which they always do. So let's switch gears a little bit. We're just kind of all over the place today, but I really like that because I think you've had some great information. Let's talk about your wedding. Okay. <laughs> well, it was October 2020. Oh, that's that's great. Perfect timing to plan a wedding. So all the venues were not having weddings and the ones that did, oh gosh, what was it? Like 15 max, had to wear masks, hand sanitizer every five feet. Like it was just not how I envisioned my special day going. And with, you know, being a planner, I've seen every cater, every florist, like all the different decor. I wanted, basically I had a champagne vision on a beer budget and um, I wanted all the things, but that timing just didn't really allow for that to happen. So the biggest venue I could find with no restrictions was my living room. So I got married in my living room. It was memorable. Uh, no. So I had an okay budget, but I think, you know, we also wanted to start a family at that time. So the wisest decision for us was let's put a down payment on a house. Let's take a really baller vacation when things um, open back up and let's just get married in the living room with our 20 closest family members. So that's what we did. We bought a house the exact same day that we got married. Oh, wow. We got, we got the keys to the house that day and got married in the living room that day. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then on our five-year anniversary, we're going to take a really long, like, two-week honeymoon. Okay. And spend the rest of it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's what, that's what we're doing. So if a bride came to you and was like, hey, Elena, we have $10,000 max to spend on our wedding. That's an absolute, like, we can't go more than that. What would you recommend she do with that 10000 Well, my first consultation is free. So she already made a great choice. Go with someone that has a free consultation just so you can feel them out and let, you know, see if you all get along. Um, and I actually have had that happen, um, to be honest. And they had talked about, you know, their mom reached into their 401k and put it on credit cards. And I just told them, like, tell me about you guys. What do you two want? And I would give them the same advice that I did, like either have a really awesome destination wedding and, you know, take a few people with you or get married at the courthouse and go on a really long honeymoon. Like you don't have to have a 300 person wedding and spend $8,000 in the venue and then you have $2,000 left to feed everyone. Like you don't have to do that. It's your special day. Do what works best for you too. Even if that's not what your mom or, you know, your grandma want, like you're the one getting married. It is up to you and you only. And I will say that even like myself, like I look at people's Instagram and social media and their TikTok and their Pinterest and I'm like, how do people pay for this? I, I don't know. think that couples realize how much of that is not put up front to pay for a wedding yes and i also just the i guess where i've been in this for you know a decade at this point when i have a bride that sends me a floral arch and they're like well my floral budget's three thousand i'm like no that arch is three thousand that arch is actually probably five but i think it's an unrealistic expectation of what things cost as well they see all the pictures advertised but there's never a price tag or a quote with those pictures yeah i just think there's some and yeah, I think that's like the way the best way I can explain that is when I started looking at houses, I thought I was going to spend X amount on house. Oh, uh, yeah. And then when I started looking at houses <laughs> in that price range, I was like, oh, I've got to <laughs> figure this one out again. Same. And so it's really what's most important to you. You are not required by any means to have a hundred person wedding 
if that's not something you feel like you can financially do. Oh, I, I have something else to add on that. Okay. I'm at a hundred person wedding, 300 person, 200 person, whatever it is. You don't have to invite people you went to high school with 20 years ago. Please invite people on your phone that you've texted within the last year. I have a lot of the times like, well, who should I invite? Should I invite them? No, don't. <laughs> if you wouldn't have them over to your house for like a, a get together with a few people, they don't need to be at your wedding either. Exactly. Uh, sorry if that's harsh, but yeah. No, I, don't don't waste money. Just save it and have the people that truly love and care about you and your spouse be there. Absolutely. And it can even just be a dinner somewhere. Go to Malone somewhere nice for a dinner. It can be in a living room, guys. Yeah, it can be in a living room. <laughs> it doesn't have to be anything over the top. You do right. not have to take out a credit card to put it on. No. Um, we are here for you. And we want if you want to spend that money, we will help you spend that money. And we will make it fabulous. Yes. Um, but don't ever feel like you are required to have a wedding because you see other people doing that. No. Yeah. Do what works best for you. And speaking of spending money, we've talked about the stuff you buy at Hobby Lobby, the stuff for the overall budget. Let's talk a little bit um, about bridal party gifts. That's just more stuff per se. I have definitely seen that changing and shifting a little bit in the last couple of years. What are you seeing now? I agree with you. I've seen it shift. So previously, I've seen the cutest little basket with a robe and a engraved, you know, champagne glass and then little diamonds as filler and a pen and a makeup pouch with your name on it. Guys, we already have all those things. We have 20 of them. So I have seen more practical gifts lately. Hair and makeup being paid for the day of because that's what you want. And it goes towards something that's meaningful. I've seen, you know, jewelry. Like we were talking earlier about um, Anna Shea. I have I bought a set for me and my daughter like. Those are great gifts. They can wear it outside the wedding day. We, you know, we can't wear that that robe that said bridesmaid on the back all the time. No shame, because I also have three of those in my closet. But practical gifts, things that they can use over and over again. Exactly. And like the experience part of it, that getting your hair and makeup done, that time that you're spending together, yeah. the morning of the wedding, you're drinking mimosas, you're, it's just fun. It's time you're relaxing and you're spending that time together. Exactly. I like the budget that you would put together for the bridal kit and all those like filler gifts that could buy a really awesome charcuterie board and mimosa for the day off for you to just hang out with your best scalp pals and just get ready and have such a fun morning. So on the wedding day, tell me what you wear to a wedding. Morning of when no one is there, I am in leggings and a branded t-shirt. And then around 12 o'clock, I'll change into my black dress, always black dress, and my sparkly golden goose shoes. I'm always in sparkles, and I'll have a fanny pack on. So a lot of the times, I get the nickname from a drunk groomsman, fanny pack. Come here, fanny pack. <laughs> I need this fanny pack. So I earned that title, but it's fine. I'm sure you can probably fit a lot in that fanny pack, too. You can. And I have a clipboard that opens up. Oh, so there's even more stuff in there. It, cards. Yeah. When I collect the cards. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> so uh, scissors, pens. Yeah. So we have talked about all the things today. Do you have any final advice for um, couples that are listening? Truly, if you are going and looking at your budget and you just don't have the extra money for a coordinator, I know you know, Sarah offers to do the timeline for you. I also have a a la carte menu that you can select just to do the timeline or me be there just for the rehearsal or maybe six hours that day to get you through those through those key moments. 
there are vendors that can work with you, whether that be a new up and coming one who wants some experience that charges a little less, but don't use your mom's friend or a coworker. Really leave it to us. We want to be there for you. We want your day to be perfect. Yeah. Harvey. Perfect. <laughs> well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. For more information about Simply Love Studio or to schedule your wedding consultation, go to simplylovestudio.com.